Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Amanda Abala with me, and she is an Amazon best-selling author of Making Money Your Honey, Millennial Life and Business Coach. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for being here, Amanda. I wanted to ask you what inspired you to start a coaching business and, and what were you doing prior to starting this business? Uh, well, that's kind of a long story. It kind of happened really organically. I did not plan to start a coaching business. Um, I did not go into blogging with the intention of coaching. I actually started as a freelance writer in 2010 and you know, I graduated from college and I spent, you know, in the middle of the recession and I spent six months not being able to find a job. And within those six months, I basically said, OK, I can't sit here and not do anything because it's driving me nuts. And I went into a deep depression and I was having anxiety. And, you know, one day I kind of just woke up and said, if I can't find a job, why don't I make my own job? Um, so I literally Googled how to start freelance writing. <laughs> online and I made all the mistakes and all that kind of so, stuff. So tell me what mistakes you've made. Oh, writing for content meals, not charging enough money. I think the first month I even started doing this, I made about $5 for the entire month. And and it sounds really scary, but in actuality, those are probably the best $5 I ever made because that's when I realized and, and that's when the real shift happened. Like, oh, girl, you just got paid doing something you like to do. So it's really interesting because most people go into entrepreneurship or running their own businesses because they hate their jobs. I was already making money on my own before I got a regular job. And the intention was always to eventually not have to live off of a regular job. I just did it out of necessity. So you're, you're doing uh, coaching. Uh, coaching is one of the things that you do. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you, if you could train someone just, just one skill, let's say that maybe the first skill says to be an entrepreneur, what would be that skill? You have to be open to opportunity. I think, um, and that's kind of a huge answer, but let me explain that. Um, basically, oftentimes when people go into entrepreneurship or not even entrepreneurship, just anything else in life, they think, you know, things need to look a certain way or it needs to be a certain way or a deal falls through and it's the end of the world. And, and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be successful and that pressure and that perfectionism and that rigid way of looking at entrepreneurship or anything in your life, really only blocks you from seeing all these creative opportunities that are right in front of you that could be a hundred, a thousand times better than what you would have ever imagined for yourself. So just, you know, really learning how to roll with the punches and being open to what is presented in front of you and not being so controlling and strict and rigid in the way things are supposed to look like. And when you work with people, do you see that they need a lot of help in that area? Do you see that it's not a natural talent for a lot of people to in kind the, of... Yeah, in the beginning, yes. And it's not that it's not a natural talent. I really believe anybody can do it. And and one of the things I do with my clients is I help them to start learning how to trust their own intuition when it comes to this stuff. Um, but I think it's a lot of social conditioning. We're We're raised to believe that businesses look a certain way. I remember, you know, the first section in my book is is really driving it home for people. Like if even if you're making a few dollars, you are legally an entrepreneur. You don't need to make that much for Uncle Sam to come take his cut, you know. <laughs> 
Um, so really just driving that home for people. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just start, just go, just put one foot in front of the other. You will figure stuff out as you go along and you will start learning how to trust yourself to make the decisions you need to make. And and what made you decide to write uh, "Make Money Your Honey"? Uh, what was what was it, how did how did that idea come about? Um, well, I quit my job finally <laughs> after two and a half years of working full time and starting a side business and moving from freelance writing to coaching and all these things. I quit my job finally, and it was a difficult decision for me to make. Um, because again, it's one of those things we're accustomed to like stability equals full-time job. And, you know, now I realize that's not true. Um, but at the time, you know, it was really intense for me. I, in order for me to get to where I have been, which anybody can do, by the way, um, I've really had to get very deep and very comfortable and just really go there when it came to the stories I had about work and money. And, you know, we are one of the biggest things I drive home in my book, especially, in the last section, when we really start getting deep into it, is this whole idea of where we've picked up stories from. You know, where is it the news? The news is nuts when it comes to like finances and careers and entrepreneurship. Like anyone listening to this, just stop listening to the news. <laughs> stop. Just don't even listen. Just do your thing. Um, and our parents, society, you know, just as a whole, we're kind of raised to believe that money doesn't grow on trees. Work needs to be difficult. Um, you have to hate your job, you know, that's life. And those are things I hear often. So in order for me to get to where I've, I've managed to go and to keep going to where I'm going, because it ain't over yet. Um, I've really had to get comfortable with, with the money story. So it started off as just kind of writing my own story because people were asking me for it. And then I started doing informational interviews with, you know, past and present coaching clients with readers of my blog I built up quite a following in about two and a half years, you know, colleagues, friends from home. I just started asking people, you know, when it comes to pursuing the kind of work that you love, what are your biggest challenges? And it always came back to money. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much how it came and, about. And yeah. and what does it take? How many books do you have to sell to become an Amazon best-selling author? And and more importantly, you know, how how would how would somebody create an an Amazon best-selling book? What 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 have you done? How did you promote your book? Uh, any advice in that area? Well, it's really funny. I actually can't answer how many books it takes to sell and have an Amazon bestseller because I kind of promised myself that the day it launched, I wouldn't look at the sales numbers <laughs> um, because I didn't want to stress. I didn't want to put that kind of. Can you give us a range? Like, oh, a range? I really have no idea. I think it goes by hour. I think it's how many books you sell in an hour. And if you're okay. outselling all the other books in that category, then it starts moving up. I think that's how it works with Amazon. Um, but honestly, I found out because my one of my business coaches actually sent me a message that day. She goes, you're officially an Amazon bestseller. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm an Amazon bestseller. What are you talking about? And she sent me the screenshot. Um, and then it just kept climbing from there. And now in terms of creating an Amazon bestseller, um, I actually have a whole on-demand class about this. And on my website, I did an entire class on self-publishing and marketing. And it's two really important things. So the first thing is just giving people what they want. I mean, I got out there and I started asking questions and I said, how can I help you? You know, what do you need to know? What do you need help with in order to achieve this, this I, new idea of work? 
And the second thing was that I, I stopped trying to control it so much. I really just infused the book with this intention of whoever needs it is going to find it and they're going to get what they need from it. And I just have to trust that. And what platforms did you use to, to reach out to people to find out what is it that they want? Um, Skype, Google Hangouts, email, mm -hmm. phone. I mean, anything that so I just getting. It, okay. So basically your own personal network and business network? Yep. yep. Okay. And readers, okay. readers. And I pulled emails upon emails that I had coming in from my website from readers of questions that they had. And I really just tried to answer everyone's question. And and it was a it was a combination of that plus my story because people I mean, if you go to my website right now, you're gonna see like three hundred plus blog posts. Who has time to read all that? You know? So it was just like a comprehensive place where they can get an introduction to me and what I do, but also where they could get some really tangible steps. And the cool thing about my book is that not only does it serve as an introduction for new people, but my private coaching clients can go back and use it over and over and over again as a sort of like cliff notes version of what we work on together during our sessions. So so tell me, uh, early, you mentioned uh, early on when you started out uh, with freelancing and writing and everything, uh, what was the biggest mistake? I mean, that wasn't really a mistake because, uh, you know, I think you mentioned it was a great learning experience. Money really wasn't the issue at that point. But in general, what do you think was the biggest mistake you made in, in, in your business so far? Um, well, first of all, mistakes are always learning um learning experiences. Um, and that goes back to what I said in the beginning, just always being open to opportunity. That's one of the ways to be open to opportunity. You mess up, you make a mistake, something doesn't go the way you wanted it to look at it. What can you learn from it? And how can you do better next time? So that's really important. Um, but I would say the real game changer for me was when I started asking for help. And I spent so long trying to do everything by myself, and I was just completely burned out. And when I finally started asking for help, which I should have done sooner rather than later, <laughs> um, that's when things really started to change. And what big mistakes do you see others make in business, either when they start or when they think about starting a business or even somebody that just wants to take their business to the next level? Well, definitely one of the biggest mistakes that I see is this whole idea of form versus content, which I talk about in my book. So a lot of people get hung up on the form what it's supposed to look like, what the branding looks like, um, what their invoices look like, uh, what the syntax of a sentence on their website, you know, they get hung up on things like that when in reality, none of that stuff matters. None of that stuff is going to make you any money. And a lot of that stuff you figure out as you go along. And instead, what I teach people to do is to kind of focus on how does this make you feel? How are you being of service to other people? How can you help other people? What really turns you on about what you're doing and what doesn't turn you on so you can just drop it or outsource it to someone else? So really just this whole idea that people get hung up on what it should look like instead of how it feels and what they're, what value they're providing for people. And once you figure out how you feel and, and, the value that you're providing for people and how you're helping them and what you really love, that's when you start figuring out all this other stuff. You know, how are you going to figure out your branding and how to talk to people if you don't get out there and start asking them questions and trying to help them? It's like trying to do it backwards. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I also own a web design slash marketing company and and we have we design business cards and logos all the time and we, and we have people come to us and they're obsessed over a pixel move to the left or the right 
but they don't, <laughs> they don't care about, the, but they don't have any clients lined up. They have no idea how they're going to get any leads or business. And I think to myself, you know, how are these people going to make it? You know, they're just worrying about it. Yeah, I agree. There's, there is a place for good design and obviously that's the business we're in and I care about it, but that's people just focus on, on the wrong things sometimes. So. Yeah, and that that goes back to that, you know, controlling it needs to look a certain way kind of a thing. And oftentimes, and I'm not saying with everyone, but oftentimes, a lot of times people use that as kind of like procrastination because they're either scared to, you know, actually start this business or they don't know where to start or they're overwhelmed. So they just start focusing and nitpicking on little details instead of going out there and getting leads. What do you think is the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs? I mean, this could be either... You know, for for even for your in your experience, but or people that you help in their own businesses. One of the biggest mistakes I've seen is seeing people, and I guess this goes back to details, but seeing people stress out about Facebook and Twitter numbers, like, oh my gosh, I need to have forty thousand fans on Facebook, and it's like, oh well, Facebook is a Facebook's messing with the numbers anyway, so who cares? Because only like one percent of them are going to see what you're posting, right? And number two, I mean. Focus on building relationships, not bringing numbers. If you have 40,000 people on Facebook or 40,000 people on Twitter, it doesn't matter if you're not talking to them. Yeah, vanity so metrics, right? Huh? Vanity metrics. Yeah, I mean, people waste a lot of time just like numbers, 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 and they don't realize, hey, those, those numbers alone, that's not what's going to build your business. So, so you have achieved a lot of success in your own business, but if you if you could go back to the beginning, would you do anything differently? Hmm, that's a really good question. You know, I don't think so because even though, for example, I say like maybe I should have started asking for help sooner. You know, maybe in in some ways, and this goes back to learning. Like, if I'd asked for help sooner, I would not I would not have knowledge in a bunch of different areas that. I need to have knowledge in. I mean, I may outsource my accounting, for example, but at least know basics, you know, or I may outsource something else, but at least I know basics of how it works. You know, I know my way around WordPress <laughs> and things like that. So, I mean, I don't think I would really do anything differently because everything's just kind of built up to this moment. Okay. And if you had to emulate some people, uh, either, you know, in, in your own field or in business in general, who who do you look up to or who do you think is yeah this 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 one really got it all together um i really like gabrielle bernstein's work and actually when i thought about transitioning into a coaching business it was because i had found her work i'd signed up for one of her her group coaching because i was struggling at my job i worked in career consulting and placing candidates within fortune 500 companies and i'd signed up for her her coaching course a couple of years ago and I'm there watching on live stream um, and I'm, I'm seeing her do her thing and she's being very transparent and very authentic and helping people. And I just got good vibes from it. And I was like, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And it wasn't just that's what you're supposed to be doing. It was also you're kind of already doing this. You know, you're doing it informally through your blog, helping people with their careers and their money. But you're also doing it at your full time job as a career consultant. How can we combine this and just build your own brand? So I really like her because she's very transparent and a lot of her work has actually helped me get to where I am today. And and you personally, what resources uh, do you use to become a better entrepreneur? 
uh, tools or you know books or, you know whatever whatever those resources may be well i definitely use the tools in my book all the time i'm very transparent on the fact that i literally use the stuff in there every single day um because it is something that i have to struggle with and something i work on with myself all the time so definitely the tools in my own book but aside from that um book yourself solid by michael port was great that book single handedly changed my business that's how i started getting my coaching clients and my speaking gigs um and and i'd read a lot of business books and lots of books about quitting your job and all that kind of stuff and that's the one that really stood out to me the most. I was like, "Oh, this is so simple. Like this is amazing." And he just lays it out for you. So if you get that book, book yourself solid, make sure to do all the exercises in the book. Don't just like read it and pretend that you're going to put this stuff into place. Just do it as you're reading the book and it will change your business. You will get those clients. Um and and it'll really help you kind of set up a really solid foundation. How did you manage to get published in Forbes and the Huffington Post and, and and others as well? I mean, what what can entrepreneurs learn from you in in order to get into those publications? Um I oftentimes tell people if you're going to become an expert in something, oftentimes all it really requires is having a really strong opinion and experience. So I remember when I first got picked up by a media outlet, I believe it was the Consumerist a couple of years ago. And like my site almost crashed and I was like, what happened? And I went to Google Analytics and I saw I'd been picked up by them. And they picked up one of my most controversial blog posts, <laughs> which was uh, why it's okay to be a boomerang kid. I was challenging the status quo. I'm not saying that you have to challenge the status quo or to challenge it in order to, you know, get picked up. But have an opinion and stand by it and stand your ground and teach people and help them. And and that eventually with time, you never know who's watching. You're always going to get eyeballs. I recently got interviewed by a print magazine and it's going to be my first feature in a print magazine. And I'm like, well, how'd you find out about me? And they're like, oh, actually, Oprah's people told us about you. And that just goes to show you never, ever know who's watching. So stand your ground, be open to the opportunities have an opinion, be passionate about what you're doing, help people, and, and really just focus on building those relationships. Don't do it. Oftentimes people, um, you may hear this in journalism or in writing, like people do things for shock value. Don't do it for shock value. If you have an opinion, be genuine about it. And I, that, I mean, it'll do its thing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you achieved a lot in your business. Uh, what is missing from the journey of those that fall short? And there's so many people that try, they either give up or, you know, I, you know so, so, so many reasons they fail. I don't even like to use the word fail because it's just, I just wish that was a better word. But, but what's, what's missing from the journey? I think oftentimes it's the ability to trust yourself to be okay. And that's huge for people. And that goes for everyone. You just have to really trust in your ability to figure stuff out. So, I mean, oftentimes you'll have people, a deal falls through and they think, oh, my business is over because the deal fell through. And it's like, no, man, there'll be another deal, you know, around the corner, but you got to be open to it. Um, and you got to trust your ability to see it and trust your ability to know it's there and trust your ability to land the next one. So it, it's just this really, this really healthy dose of confidence and trust in yourself and I think another thing that happens and this is something I've had to learn is don't talk business with people who don't know business 
um, because they're, they don't know, you know, and they're going to start interjecting all these things like, oh, eight out of 10 businesses fail, you know, stop listening to that stuff and just do your thing and keep going. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. And sometimes they say, you know, you're the, the sum of maybe the five people you spend most of your time with, you know, and just like you mentioned, you know, you know, interact with the right people. And that's, I think that's, that's so, that's so important. How do you, how do you build a following? I mean, you know, it's hard to do business, especially online without a, a platform, some, some sort of a following. What is your advice for somebody just, you know, they're just starting out, they, they're blogging, they're writing a lot. They have a hundred articles, but nobody comes to their site. How, how do they, how do they start out? Build a community, build relationships. Um, I did a talk for the financial blogger conference last year. And one of them asked me, he was a beginning blogger and he asked me, do I write for Google or do I write for like readers? And I said, forget Google, write for the people. And he was like, what? He was totally shocked. I'm like, yeah, Google's always changing the rules and algorithms and you know, they could change their mind next week and whatever. So write for people. You have a hundred articles. Are you sharing those articles? Are you emailing people directly that you know could benefit from the information in those articles? Are you putting yourself out there? Are you letting people know what you do? You know, are you responding to tweets? Are you responding to Facebook? Are you genuinely trying to help people? Um, and then for the technical side of things, you know, get yourself an email list, you know. Um, that's a big mistake people make. That's a mistake I made for sure in the beginning. I think I went six months without an email list because I just didn't want to deal with it in the beginning, but start building it up. Those are the people who are going to share your stuff. They're going to come back again and again and again. They have opted into the information that you want, so give it to them. What do you look at, let's say, on a monthly or you know, a yearly basis in terms of your business metrics? What, you know, I mean, we talked about vanity metrics already, but what are some of the real metrics that, that matter to you in your business? You know, I try not to get hung up on numbers. I hardly ever go into Google Analytics. I can't even tell you how many subscribers I have. I really try not to worry about that stuff. Really, the only thing I try and do is just to talk to and help as many people as possible. So I may pay to put a goal on myself like, okay, you know, do 10 free sessions this um, month. And I'll not, I'll do it with obviously, you know, at the end of those sessions, if I think we're a good match, I'll try and pitch them on a coaching package. But I don't come into the session with the intention of, oh my God, I'm going to sell them at the end of this call. You know, I come into it with how can I help this person? And that really just completely changes things and takes you out of this like mental storm and the hangups people get into in terms of control controlling and money and all that kind of stuff and really just puts you in a place where you're vibing you're calm you know you're going to be okay and the other person on the other line at the end of the phone or at the end of the other side of the email they know they can feel it you know when you walk into a room and you don't want to deal with someone or an example i use in my book is um like those multi-level marketing things not that there's anything wrong with multi-level marketing i know a ton of people who've made great money and great businesses from multi-level marketing but you may have been invited to an event where, you know, it's like a makeup thing, for example, and like the person posted everything they knew on Facebook and they invited everyone they knew. You yourself were probably there as a favor and the energy in the room is just all wrong because you know that the only reason they even invited you was to try and sell you, not because they're actually trying to help you. 
Okay. Um, what are some of the most important uh, skills as an entrepreneur you want to improve this year, let's say, in 2014? Negotiating has been a big one for me and asking for more. That's been something that I've been practicing in little ways every why, day. <laughs> why do you need to? Is it about price negotiation? Is it about, I mean, can you, can you go into that a little bit? It's price negotiation. So on one spectrum, I've, I don't feel like I should I mean, just because someone else offers a service or a price doesn't mean like, I mean, people are flexible. Like, you know, let's say you hire a VA and they're like, oh, well, let's do 20 hours. I'm here like, well, if I don't need 20 hours, can you do eight? You know, just like asking questions like that, you know, and trying to find a happy medium for two people Um, or services, you know, like trying to negotiate down, but also just asking for more. I mean, one thing I've definitely had to learn how to do is for so long, I would like write all these free blog posts for brands and for people because I, I didn't know, right? I was just <laughs> starting out and now I get those and, and you know, I realize, okay, time is kind of money and what I'm basically doing is a sponsored post. So now right off the bat and I'm like, okay, well I can do that. You know, if I like your product, I can offer a sponsored post that costs this much money. Okay. Okay. So, you know, things like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting because so many of us have trouble with that, and I don't understand why. <laughs> but uh, because money, I mean, sale. I, the entire second section of my book is all about sales. It's just seen traditionally seen as like this really slimy, grimy, let me shove something down someone's throat kind of thing. And I really try and help change people's perspective on that. On like, if you're trying to put a roof over your head and you're trying to build a company and you're trying to put food on the table, and you're supporting yourself and other people, and you are supporting this huge message through your brand or your business, it's okay to ask for money. There's nothing wrong with that. So it's now 2014. You, 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 had, you had a lot of success, but what is your dream business? Where do you want to be, let's say, maybe five years from now? Five years from now, oh my gosh. It sounds like an awful long time. Maybe to say two years from yeah, now. <laughs> well, in five years, you know what I want to do? I do, I was, I've been thinking about this, where I want to take the brand, how I want to spread the message. And, you know, I really want to create something, some sort of online platform where millennials can come, millennial entrepreneurs specifically, um, can come in and like create masterminds with each other and network with each other. Because one thing I've seen as such a young entrepreneur and working with a lot of young entrepreneurs and young professionals is that when they go to local networking events, they're usually like the youngest person by 15 or 20 years. And I don't know if you've been to events like that, but like someone who started a business 20 years ago has a completely different view of entrepreneurship than someone who started it after the recession. Um, (laughs) For example, So there was really, it's not that they're not learning things, it's just they feel kind of out of place. So I've started to do this in little ways. I'm starting to host um, monthly online workshops limited to five millennial entrepreneurs where they can come get business coaching from me and also help each other and network with each other and collaborate. But I want to take it to a bigger scale. I want to take it to a bigger extent because I think what has really happened and at the core of my message is we came of age during an economic downturn that has completely changed the way that we think about work and money, and that will affect us for the rest of our lives. So I really just want to create this platform where they can come in and help each other out and just 
you know, help each other out with their lifestyle businesses, their service-based businesses, their product businesses, and feel like they're within like-minded company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that's that's an excellent point, and, and I haven't seen anything like that out there either. So if you created one, that would be that would be awesome. What should a coach do for an entrepreneur? I mean, you know, I coaching is almost like I hear it all over, and and there are a bunch of people that just say, "Hey, I'm a coach." You know, uh, first of all, how do I know who is who is who is the right fit for me? And what should a coach do for me? What what is a realistic expectation of of me as a business owner toward toward a coach? Um, well, I can give you like the run of the mill answers, like accountability and helping you set your goals and all these like really dry answers that are true. But I can tell you one really good thing that makes a coach a good coach. And in my experience, not just coaching but also being a client of several different coaches I think what really makes the good ones stand out is that they are teaching you to trust yourself and they are they're not just telling you what to do they are teaching you to trust your own intuition they are essentially creating teachers so that you know their client can go out and teach the next person and they can go out and teach the next person i think that's what that's what truly makes a really good coach because that's what's going to make the most impact do you have any last words of wisdom to share about building or growing a successful business maybe something uh, i didn't ask uh, but that you think is really important my favorite quote, there's no such thing as certainty. So whether you're building a business or you have, especially for people who are thinking about quitting their jobs to really go into their business full time, and they're really struggling with this idea of, oh, but a regular job is so stable. Newsflash, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, you could get a pink slip next week for no reason, or you know, the company could go under, or the, the economy could tank again. Like You don't know. You don't have control over it. You don't have control over anything, really. The only two certainties we have in life are, you know, death and taxes. And at least we know when we have to pay our taxes. So if you're getting hung up on this idea of like certainty, forget about it. There's no way for you to know. Just go for it. It's almost it's almost I feel like that people are hanging on to something, an old idea in a new world. You know, it's people still associate safety and security with a job in 2014 when that really hasn't been true for maybe 20, 30 years anyway. So but uh, so it's it's kind of uh, I think just uh, culturally we have to catch up to the reality of what's happening today in the in the world in general at least in the US and in Europe yeah actually that came up in a in another interview i was doing um that came up and we were discussing we were both i mean we were both former recruiters and headhunters and we were talking about more traditional work and it came up in terms of like, if you're still hanging on to this idea that the economy is going to go back to how it was before the recession, you're screwed. <laughs> um, it's not going back. Get with the program. You know, this whole idea of like working for the same company for 30 years, done. This whole idea of, you know, you're going to get your pension at the end of it and the gold watch and all this stuff, done. You know, this whole idea of like your degree determines the rest of your career, done. Um, so really just start learning how to, it just goes back to that thing I said in the beginning. Start learning how to be flexible and open to opportunities. Did the recession bring a lot of challenges? Of course. And change is really scary for people and for everyone, myself included, you know. But 
it also brings a lot of opportunities that weren't there before. And you have to be open to them. So, Amanda, how can people connect with you uh, to either find out more about what you do or how you can help them? You can go to my website, amandabella.com. Abella is spelled A, B as in boy, E-L-L-A. And you can sign up for the newsletter. There's a bunch of free goodies like, you know, videos and, and workshops and things like that. Or you can act, if you want a really deep introduction into what it is that I do, you can check out my book on Amazon. It's called Make Money Your Honey. It'll be the first one that pops up. Amanda, thank you very much. And be sure to check her out at amandabella.com. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me.